Well, good morning. Obviously, I'm from Glasgow, so it's the, that's the way God speaks. We know that God is Glaswegian. I, I do understand that when I become passionate, I may speak very fast, and maybe the people up the back or even at the front, right at the front, may not understand me, so I will endeavour to slow it down. As Graham says, my name is John. I um, live in Glasgow, lived there my whole life, um, which is 57 years. I've been married for 32 of those years uh, to my wife, Anne, and we have a son, Jazz, who is 16, who is a firebrand for God. Incredible what God is doing with them. We are part of the Glasgow Vineyard. Have been, we planted the church, actually, before it became a vineyard on August 18th, 1985. So I was a youth of 19 at that time when we planted our first church that later became a vineyard. I've been involved in prophetic ministry since 1998, traveling nations, working with streams, denominations, leaders, and in my workplace. I work full-time, so I don't sit about like, mm, waiting on the word for the Lord. I work with young people 12 to 18, uh, and like a residential home. I worked in a secure unit as part of that, and these young people are the most broken people you'll ever meet in the face of the earth, but I love it. What a job. So they'll hate you. They'll attack you, they'll assault you, but you just keep loving on them, and it's brilliant. Uh, so that is me, just an introduction to who I am. I like to walk about, it's not, I said this yesterday, so please don't feel offended. I've not got ADHD, I just like to move about, okay? This morning I want to talk about purpose. Purpose. Because what you were born to do is more important than what you have done. Let me say that again. What you were born to do is more important than what you have done. Mark Twain said this, the two greatest days in a person's life is this, the day they were born and the day they discover why. The day you're born and the day you discover why. I've met many people who are born but don't know the reason for being, don't know the purpose in life. And you might be here today, you might have no faith you might be a person of another faith. You might be a person who had faith, who's lost it, and maybe exploring coming back. This word is for you today. Because the thing is, you will never discover your purpose apart from God. Whether it be individually or whether it be corporately. I've found that as a travel, many people know who they are in terms of their identity. And they can even tell you where they've come from. So if I said, how did you get here today, sir? Hello? See you're, see, you're paying attention. <laughs> How did you get here today? Came by car. What's your name? Paul. So Paul, unlike the Apostle Paul, came by car today. So many people in life know wh who they are, where they come from in terms of origin, even maybe the roles and function in life, but I've discovered they never know the why behind the what. Miles Monroe said this, the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but a life without a purpose. The greatest tragedy in life is not death, because death comes to everybody. But imagine living your whole life, and then no matter what age you're looking back and think, what was my purpose? What was I here for? And you might be a Christian today, and Christians and non-Christians alike are struggling at this moment, cultural moment in time, to discover their purpose. And the greatest thing that you can do with your life and in your life is discover your purpose, your reason for being. Because let me tell you something today, you're not here by accident or chance. If, you're not, if you don't know Christ, 
you, you can know Christ. You can live differently for the way you come in. We call this Hope Church. In a culture and society and a nation and the nations of the earth, there's a lot of hopelessness, despair, despondency, discouragement, depression. There's hope here today. And the hope is this, that you don't need to leave the same way you came. You can discover your purpose, which initially is that you are brought into a relationship with God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ, who died in your place on the cross for your sins. And you know what? We're going to give, I'm going to give you an opportunity later to respond to that. And not by slipping up your hand. Every, eye, every head bowed and every eye closed. Can I ask, when you had kids, anybody in here had got kids? Okay, so, Nicola, when you had kids, what is the first thing after your child was born, male or female? What did you do? You celebrate. So why would it be any different? Why should we start our Christian life off in shame? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Why don't we celebrate? We tell everybody that Jesus Christ is Lord. I've committed my life to Christ. That's what we need to get back to, folks. The boldness and saying, there's no shame in being born again. There's absolutely no shame. In fact, being born again will deal with your shame. And if you've got shame today, we can deal with that. You don't need to leave the same way you came. So discover your purpose life because you're not here this morning by accident or chance or coincidence. You're not here on the planet by accident, chance or coincidence. In fact, Psalm 139 verses 13 to 16 say this, and we've got it maybe in the coasters or whatever says this. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. This is a part, well, as charismatics and Christians we get. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when you made me in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. Before one of my days came to be, all of my days rather were ordained of me, written in your book before one of them came to be. That's incredible purpose, folks. Before you showed up on the stage of human history, God had a purpose and a plan for your life. Is that not great? Is that not great that you're subject to the winds of change and cultural upheaval and the upheaval in the nations that you don't know if you're coming or going, have been or went? Anybody ever have those days? I have those days constantly and work with kids who are so many constant demands for young people, so many constant demands for staff, so many constant demands for management. And I'm like, have I been there? Have I done this? Have I did that? The good news is that you can live a life of purpose. Because here's the thing. God is a God of purpose. Everything that God does in and through your life is attached to the purpose for your life. In fact, there's nothing in creation that doesn't have a purpose. The chair you're sitting on serves a purpose for you to sit. This platform is for things to be placed on. Everything in creation has a purpose, and that includes you. In fact, the first man and woman were created. Adam and Eve in Genesis 1.26, God says, let us make man in our image in accordance to our likeness. Brilliant. And let me just say off the bat, whether you agree with him or no, believe in me or no, there's, and it says he made them in his image, both male and female, there's only two genders. Only two genders. Male and female, they're no fluid, they're fixed, they're binary, they're not non-binary. Okay? And the, as Christians, we need to get back and stand up for what we believe in a culture that's just accepting everything. So there's only two genders. Then God gives 
what man was created for, what Adam and Eve was created for. He says, let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle in the land, and over every living thing that creeps upon the earth. Let them have dominion. Adam and Eve and you and I were created for dominion. We were created to extend the influence, the, the realm and the culture of the kingdom of God everywhere we go. Everywhere I go, I expect to see God at work. I'm discipling work right now, a spiritualist who was involved in spiritualist most of his life, who moves probably more accurately in prophetic stuff than most prophets I know in the world today. And he'll come in, people come in, say, you live here, you live, but it's by another spirit. And so now he's come away from the spiritualist church, I'm teaching him the scriptures, he says Jesus Christ is his saviour, says that's great, but he needs to be your Lord. So it's one thing to claim Jesus can save you, but is he your Lord? And so I'm working that through them. We've seen demonic apparitions appear to young people in the rooms in where I work, and we've went in and done room cleansings, and those apparitions don't appear any longer. So we're called, we're ambassadors on earth to, to extend God's rule, reign, and realm, and culture of the kingdom everywhere we go. It's not just for the four walls, folks. It's for everywhere. In Tesco, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, in the school run, in your gym, wherever you are, God can speak. Honestly, I remember years ago, I was coming back from a, a conference down south, and the taxi driver picked me up at Glasgow Airport, and he was really unhappy because I was only going to my workplace, which is the opposite side of the airport. So the fare would have been about six, seven pounds, so he was absolutely livid with anger, but he just tried to be nice, and as taxi drivers do, as well as hairdressers and barbers, kind of small talk. Well, where were you? I says, well, I, I was down at a, a Christian conference, and we were looking at the relevance of the Bible and how most people now don't believe in the Bible is relevant for today and it's God's word. Yeah, and I'll not say the expletives that he used, but there was choice vocabulary, a lot of rubbish, absolutely. And so he goes off on a tangent. So I said to him, well, what would it take for you to believe that God is real? He says, if God spoke to me, came down face to face and spoke to me. As he says that, the Lord shows me that he, by a word of knowledge, he's had a back issue, he's had it for years uh, so I says, well, what about your back problem? And defensively, while he's driving, he turns around and says, who told you that? I says, God did. <laughs> he says, I'm just back today after being off a week. I've had this problem for years. I says, can I pray for you? He says, yep, prayed for him. He's healed instantly. As he's dropped me off at my workplace, he jumps out, opens my door, and gives me a hug. This is a guy 10 minutes before. So the thing is this, folks. God is wanting to extend his kingdom, but you need to understand that God is a God of purpose. Because here's the thing, God has a purpose for every individual in humanity. But not every individual in humanity finds or discovers a purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are, what are we? What are we? God's workmanship. Whose workmanship? Okay. Then it goes on to say this, Created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. We are not saved by works, we're saved for works. Okay, and there's a massive difference. I'm not a Christian because I worked hard at being good. I'm a Christian because he is good and he's changed my life. And I've accepted that I'm bad. Okay, so we need to realize that, that God has a history. Even before you stepped onto the stage of human history, God had a predetermined, pre-planned purpose for your life. But here's the thing that I've discovered. Your purpose is more important than your provision. Yeah. 
I've met many Christians and non-Christians alike who are missing their purpose in life because they're seeking to provide for their life. Does that mean provision's wrong? No, we all need to eat and live indoors, don't we? Of course we do. But I'm seeing, even if you look at the temptation of Jesus, and I've just recognised that this year, when the enemy comes to Jesus and Jesus has fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he's hungry, and the enemy says, if you are the son of God, we always look at the temptation to doubt his identity. Tell these stones to become bread. Jesus, provide for yourself. Seek provision at the expense of purpose. And Jesus could have. And the enemy's caught so many Christians and non-Christians alike that they're so preoccupied with providing for themselves and their families, and there's nothing wrong with that, you need to hear that, that they're missing out on their purpose in life. Your purpose is greater than your provision. That's why Jesus says, Matthew 6, 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You can miss your purpose by seeking provision, but if you seek God's purpose for your life, you'll always have provision. Because your provision serves your purpose, your purpose does not serve your provision. You with me? Is this helpful, guys? Because it will be, because you need to discover your purpose individually and collectively. What is the purpose of Hope Church in this city or this town or whatever it is? But here's the thing you need to understand. Every purpose undergoes a process. So we see a great example of this in the Old Testament in Genesis 37, where Joseph, and again, if you're not a Christian, you probably know the story of Joseph. He had the coat of many colours, which was a symbol of the father's favour. And as a result of his favour, his brothers were jealous, and like any dysfunctional Glaswegian family, they throw him in a pit, and rather than kill him, they decide to get a profit for him, they sell him. But in between times, Joseph has had two dreams where God has spoken, determined, and showed him his call and his life and his purpose for life, that he would one day his brothers would come and bow before him, and even his father and mother. And so that just infuriated his brothers even more. They hated him because he was favoured of the father, and here now he's telling us these dreams that God actually favours him. So they throw him in a cistern, and God's purpose is revealed to Joseph through the dreams. So that you see the revealed will of God, then you see the reverse will of God. Everything goes in reverse. Everything goes haywire. See these Christians that tell you preachers, come to Christ and all your problems will be solved. That's a lot of nonsense. I had more problems after I became a Christian than I did before because I had to deal with sin that I actually liked. I had to deal with people that I didn't like. So listen, don't hear this and buy into this simple gospel that, yeah, come to Jesus, all your problems will be solved. Yeah, your problem is sin. Shame and guilt, that will all be solved. But you may have other problems. How do you relate to members of your family who are no Christians? How do you relate to that boss who's not a Christian, doesn't believe in Christ? There's a whole set of new issues that you need to journey. So every purpose undergoes a process. And it's important that you don't sabotage your purpose by seeking to circumnavigate the process. So for Joseph, God took him through his soulbees brothers. He goes into Potiphar's house. God favours him there. He's falsely accused of rape. He languishes in prison for many years. Then he, there's a prison break and the people remember how God had favoured and interpreted his dream, the, the cupbearer. He then goes before Pharaoh and he eventually ends up where God's purpose all those years before says he would be. But it undergoes a process. God will often... Reveal your purpose without, divining the pro- without defining the process. Why? Because if he told you how you were going to get there, you might not like it. 
If he'd have told Joseph, Joseph, yep, here's the dreams, here's your purpose, you're going to lead people, you're going to have significant leadership ability and skill, and even to the extent your brothers will bow to you who hate you, and your mum and dad will come bow. But Joseph, you know what? Your brothers are going to hate you that much, go throw you into a pit. Then they're going to sell you into a different culture, a different nation, a different way of life, people you don't know, things that are unfamiliar. And then you're going to be accused of rape, even though you didn't do it, and people, the, the, this guy's not just any ordinary guy, he's the the chief bodyguard to Pharaoh himself. And then, Joseph, you're going to languish in prison for a good... And it's not like your modern-day prisons. You're going to languish in prison for a, a period. And then after all of that, Joseph, you're going to interpret two dreams, and those guys who have... One will die and one will live, but then the guy who you've interpreted his dream who's restored his position in Pharaoh's kingdom will forget about you, and you'll languish in prison. Do you think you'd be up for that? I wouldn't. You know what, God? You've got the wrong guy, wrong dream. It's a pizza I've ate the night before, so maybe go on to one of the guys, one of the brothers. So every purpose will undergo testing and challenging in a process, folks. But here's why purpose is important to your life. Whether you're Christian, non-Christian, whether you've been a Christian for years or a leader or whatever, purpose fuels motivation. It brings meaning to life. A life without the understanding of purpose is meaningless. Let me say that again. A life without the understanding of purpose is meaningless. I met thousands of people who are just going through the motions of life and no living. Do you know why a lot of these reality TV programs are Big Big Brother and whatever the other ones are now? Because people would rather watch life than do life. Because people would rather watch these people... Watch life than do life. We're called to do life, folks. We're called to live life. We're not called to watch life. Purpose is important because not only does it fuel motivation, but it actually gives you a sense of value, worth, and significance. Most of the young people that I work with have no worth, have no value, and have no significance in their life. Why? Because of the things that's happened to them, primarily but because they don't see any hope, any light at the end of the tunnel, and they're no living with any significant purpose. And purpose, you need purpose, not just to get up in the morning. Where are you deriving your value from? In my workplace, I've been offered promotion a number of times. And I've sat down with bosses, and I've let other people get promotion rather than me, although I could do with the money. And my bosses are scratching their heads, why are you doing this? He says, because I don't need a title to affirm my worth or value. I know who I am, and my job is what I do, but it's not my life. I'm passionate, I'm called to it, and they know that. My bosses wouldn't tell you that if they were here, but it's not my life. My life and my significance and my value comes from God, comes from the one who created me, the one who's given me a purpose as well. Here's another reason why purpose is important. Purpose produces vision. You want a a vision for your life? Why are you here? Why, do you, why are you here if you live in this or one of the surrounding rural communities? Why has God placed you where you are for such a time as this? We never ask those questions. We're so preoccupied with life, we never say, my life at this time proves that there's something in my life that I carry that this generation needs. Me living at this time proves that there's something in me that God has placed in me even before I was born, even before I knew him, that this generation needs. Why are you where you are? Who are you called to influence? What are you called to do? Here's another thing why purpose is important. 
Purpose is fulfillment. I love what I do. I don't love what I do because I get paid, although I get paid very well for what I do. But I absolutely love. Imagine going to your work and loving what you do. And I often say to our guys, listen guys, what else would you rather do? And I get a lot of different <laughs> comments back. But I love what I do. Why? Because I'm called. That is part of my overall purpose, to bring the kingdom there. And people often say, would you not like to be in full-time ministry? I am in full-time ministry. What does full-time ministry look like standing up here? That's not full-time ministry. Full-time ministry is bringing the kingdom of God everywhere to every person and every place that you meet and are and where. That's what the kingdom is. Here's another thing. Your purpose is greater than your past pain. All of us in this room have pain. There's no one got a monopoly in pain in this room. My father died when I was six years of old. I had an idyllic lifestyle that I can remember up until that point in time. But my father died in front of us, hemorrhaging um, with tuberculosis in 1972. Me and my sister sat and watched my mum trying to, knowing that he was in the throes of death, try to comfort us in one hand, but try to comfort her husband in another. My mum, as a result, became an alcoholic. And so we were kind of dragged up. We were a really dysfunctional family. And that can affect your psyche if you're a psychologist. It can affect the way you view yourself, your worth, your value. But here's the thing. Your past might explain you, but it doesn't need to define you. And in Christ, that, might ex- that past, what, you, you can't get rid of it. You can remember it, but it doesn't need to define you. And I am who I am today, and I can relate to the young people that I work with today because I've experienced what they've experienced. And I've experienced more. We talk about ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. They say if you've got six or more, that the likelihood of death and an early life and bad health is exponential. I've got all ten. I've had, experienced every ACE that you can experience. But the fact is, that may have explained me, but it doesn't define me. And you need to remember that. Your, your purpose is great in your past pain. I'm not minimising. Here's the other thing. Your problems are not greater than your purpose. But John, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I've been through. I don't. But you know this. I know this much. Your purpose is greater than your problems. In fact, maybe your problems are a revelation of your purpose. What if that's the case? I said this yesterday. What of what you're going through at the moment, uh, all the trials, tribulations, adverse circumstances and situations is not a result of who you are, but who you're becoming and who you will be in the future. You get it? What if what has happened to you in terms of temptation is not about where you are at present, but the enemy seeking to tempt you, the pressure's on because he knows where you'll be going in the future. Your purpose is greater than your problems and your, and your past as well. And we need to grasp that. So then, how do we discover our purpose? How do you discover your purpose from, for life? Let me tell you something. You will never discover your purpose apart from God, apart from your relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ, by His Spirit. I love there's an old uh, adage that says this, an old quote. It says, I climbed the ladder of success for many years, wearing my body and mind and emotions in the process, only to discover the ladder was at the wrong wall. (laughs) How are you measuring success? 
Are you that person on that ladder expending great amounts of energy, effort, emotion, mental energy to get to the top only to realise that when you're there, it's at the wrong wall? Because you've not discovered your purpose for life. Because you don't know your purpose, you're over here at the wrong wall on the wrong ladder. So here's how you discover your purpose. Ask the question, why am I here and what does God have for me? On August 12, 1982, I was born again. I became a Christian, gave my life to Christ, not just as Savior, but as Lord. And I says, I don't know what you can do with this life, but it's yours. You take it, you use it, you do whatever you want with it. A month in, God spoke to me and revealed my purpose even before I was born. He actually spoke to me through scriptures like Jeremiah chapter 1. And I didn't have a clue what Jeremiah was. I thought, no one in Glasgow's called Jeremiah. You never met anybody like that. And God began to define my purpose as I spent time with him. And he said to me, John, I'm going to take you around the world preaching my word. And I burst out laughing. I said, God, I don't have the, my bus fare to the brood Thursday morning. You take me around the world. That's August 1982. Since then, God has taken me everywhere. And there's lots of other places to go. But I've asked him, Lord, what's your purpose? What do you have for me? Because here's the thing. The purpose for your life and the mandate on your life must be manifest in your environment. So I just don't come in churches and activate people in the prophetic in churches. I do it anywhere and everywhere I go. I'll sit and have conversations with my bosses, with the senior leaders of their organisation, and I'll chat a prophecy with them. I'll no use God's name. I'll just say, are you feeling like this? Is this happening? John, what are you saying? Why are you saying that for? No, just let's talk about that and we explore thoughts and feelings surrounding what's happening in their life. I know it's prophecy, but they don't need to know. And then at the end, they'd say, well, where is this comfort? He says, you know I'm a Christian and I believe God speaks. See, what is on your life? Your purpose should be revealed in your environment and your family and the workplace and church, wherever you are. Here's the other thing. Refuse to let the frustration get to you of the process. Is there any housing developments happening around about this this morning? Yeah. Do you know what they do when they're building something in Glasgow? And I found this wherever I go in the world. They have a picture of what will be, don't they? Coming, and then there's a big thing, coming soon. Luxury apartments. And man, even though you live in a nice house, you're like, I want that. I want that. It's really, it's attractive, it's alluring. But here's the thing, and it's very, very clever. Just like God, these developers are starting with the end in mind. Because they know that in the process of getting to that end, there's going to be rubble, there's going to be clay, there's going to be debris, there's going to be whole lots of things in between. And if you get frustrated with the debris, the clay, the rubble, and everything else in between of what is coming, you can possibly give up on what is coming. Folks, I tell you right now, I said it yesterday, 2025 is going to be a significant year for the UK. You watch for a sovereign move of God. I'm not saying the whole land will be come to swept into Christ, but there will be a significant move of God in our land. I'm not saying that God won't work before 2025. They will not work the latter part of this year or next year, but everything I believe is working towards 2025. And I can't wait to see what happens. I've got an inkling of what that's going to look like. Because I think a lot of prophetic people see a new thing's coming. And unfortunately, they're not as good as the developers because at least the developers can tell us and show us. And they define what the new thing is. Prophets just, yeah, ambiguous. A new thing's coming. God's doing a new thing. Well, what is it? Can you tell me? 
Mm, it's a new thing. Well, what is it? Coming soon. Don't allow the frustration and the process to sabotage your purpose. As a church, as a community, or as an individual. Here's the other thing, the last thing. Recognize the process prepares you for your purpose. Everything in my life, I'm not saying that God was the orchestrator of it, but there's nothing that happens in my life that doesn't pass through the hands of God. And you see that in the book of Job very, very clearly. As Graham Cook would say, God allows in his wisdom what he can prevent with his power. And so everything that has shaped me and, and my upbringing and where I come from has made me the person that I am today. And here's the thing I, I, a lot is kind of forget, especially charismatic Pentecostal churches. We think that once the Holy Spirit comes and he baptizes and fills us and overflows us, he obliterates our personality. No, he doesn't. He works through your personality. Just like Jeremiah, Isaiah, Daniel, he worked through their circumstances, their cultural moment, and he worked through their personality. He didn't take over it. He didn't obliterate it. 